The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 60 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed on the show are my own and not that my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to or resort to my current employment, and I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I personally hold or have held in the past with the United States government, and nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. So before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news and their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, Go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So how cool was it to have the first ever CISO on the show last week? I mean, I don't see other cybersecurity shows doing stuff like this. I just don't see it. I mean, Steve only makes appearances on the most reputable news mediums. I mean, let me see. He's got CNBC. I think he did the Times. I mean, the Journal. And, of course... Task Force 7 Radio. So, look, it was a great conversation, folks. One of my personal favorites, it was really interesting learning how Steve got to be the first CISO in the world. I mean, even where the term CISO came from, that was really, really cool. I mean, Steve it was in the room for that discussion. So, how cool is that to listen to the discussion that termed the, the word CISO, the term CISO, and, you know, how that came about, considering the position helped shape an entire job market, right? So, Listening to the story about how Steve got started, what moves he made, and how he built his business relationship to help push his information security agenda was totally awesome. And we even got to tap Steve's thoughts on what he is telling his mentees to do in today's environment. What recommendations he has for today's CISOs and how he sees the role of the CISO changing now and into the future. So, but that wasn't it for, for last week's show. That wasn't all. We also had the pleasure of having Carlos Diaz and Emery Zonemeyer on with us to talk about TTP Zero. And that's a nonprofit they're both running to help companies reset and build security operations capabilities that are fit for purpose and fit to meet their company's specific needs. Right? So it's a security operations project run by security operations professionals for cybersecurity professionals. I love this kind of stuff, folks. I mean, Carlos and Emery are, are fighting the good fight and doing some very noble things in the cybersecurity space. So please, if you get a chance, tune in to what they have to say. It's really, really good stuff. So if you want to listen to what a legend in the cybersecurity world has to say about what's going on today, an OG CISO 
as someone called him on social media last week. Or if you just want to hear what the founders and advisors of TTP Zero have to say about improving the orchestration of your security operations environment, grab your smartphone, find your, find your favorite playback medium, and boot up Task Force 7 Radio. That's Steve Katz, the world's first CISO and current founder and president of Security Risk Solutions. Carlos Diaz, the senior technical solutions specialist with Google and founder of the nonprofit TTP Zero, and Anne Marie Zettelmeyer, vice president of security engineering at MasterCard and advisor to TTP Zero, all on last week's extended episode. That's episode number 58 of Task Force 7 Radio. Well, if you're listening to us live on Voice America right now, or maybe someone just sent you the link to this episode, you might be wondering how you can listen to all the previous Task Force 7 Radio episodes on playback. You can find TF7 Radio on a total of nine different playback mediums, including iTunes.com, Google Play, TuneIn.com, Stitcher.com, Player.fm, Overcast.fm, ListenNotes.com, the show's very own website at Task47Radio.com, and of course, the number one internet talk radio producer in the world, at voiceamerica.com. So all in all, nine different options to get your TF7 radio fixed. We're everywhere, folks. You can't miss us. If you Google Task Force 7 Radio, you get all your options. Check us out, TF7 Radio Playback at your convenience, 24-7, 365, anytime, anywhere around the globe. And as always, please, please, please don't forget to subscribe. We love it when you subscribe. So for those of you who do subscribe to the show, and get alerts about new episodes, you'll notice something very different happened this week. <laughs> episode number 59, a new TF7 Extra episode popped up on your notifications to let you know a new show was in your TF7 podcast library. So it's the first time we dropped more than one episode in a week, and I'm going to test out something new with our cadence here. So I think... We're, we're obviously, we're still going to have our great weekly one-hour episodes that air on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific and are always available on playback on the nine different playback mediums. But we are going to start dropping shorter 10 to 15-minute episodes, and probably I'm going to try to keep it closer to 10, although this week I went way over, on some of the special topics uh, of interest or, or events that hit the national news cycle and that affect the larger population outside of just the cybersecurity professionals. So... You're going to be able to distinguish these types of episodes from our weekly one-hour shows because they will have TF7 Extra in the title. So the reason that I'm doing this is that there are just too many topics in the news that we're missing uh, because we're getting so many great guests every week. Uh, we rarely go a week without a guest. We're, we're, we're one of the only shows that repeatedly, week after week after week, turn out tier one guests nonstop. But now you'll be getting a little bit of both, uh, best of both worlds. You'll be getting that great exposure to tier one guests where you really get to hear them break it down and unpack uh, all, all, the, all the things that you really want to hear about that help you do your job in, in a variety of different domains, as well as current news and analysis that you want to hear that's relevant to you and, and obviously possibly even more relevant to your job. So the, episode number 59 is the first TF7 Extra episode to air on Task Force 7 Radio. You should have it on your TF7 library. And we cover the breaking story of the Marriott breach to keep you up to date on everything that you need to know. I packaged it in a way that you could still sort of distill all the important information from the breach very quickly 
uh, within a few minutes without spending hours and hours reading about the breach, right? So that's the whole purpose. So you're in your car, you boot up the, uh, the, the TF7 Extra, and boom, you get you know, what you need to know. It's current. Uh, it's breaking news. It's, it's uh, very relevant information or events uh, that have to do with your job. So this is uh, very cool stuff. Or hey, look, just 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 show us. Just not for cybersecurity professionals. It's for anybody who's actually interested in cybersecurity. So, if you know, a lot of this stuff affects people outside of the cybersecurity profession, and that's why they really should need to know about this stuff because cybersecurity is one of the biggest threats uh, that we face today. So, this is the benefit of subscribing to the show on your favorite playback medium because you'll get an alert on when one of these TF7 extra episodes pops up. And some of them, like I said, they'll be on breaking news and they'll be time sensitive. Uh, and it's, you know, cybersecurity real world events that may affect your life in some shape or form. So check out what we have to say on one of the largest breaches in the world that just happened. All right, just happened. It's the Marriott breach. We put it all together for you on the first TF7 Extra episode. That's episode number 59 of Task Force 7 Radio. So uh, we're going to switch gears here again for you tonight, and I like to do this. I love to mix this up because I think it just kind of keeps it interesting. We're going to do something a little bit different, keeping things lively around here. So I'm going to have uh, Khaled Fatel on uh, the show with us tonight because he is doing some very, very interesting things. So Khaled Fatel is the chairman of the MLI group. It's also known as the Multilingual Internet Group, uh, whose motto is cybersecurity is no longer the keyword survivability is and it's kind of an interesting sort of uh, a theme to his uh, to his organization a little bit about the MLI group it's an organization that provides geopolitical poly cyber terrorism incident response and cyber insurance audits as well as penetration testing and cyber training of all levels and poly cyber threat intelligence and mitigation services to companies right so it's a consulting firm they do a lot of talking uh, they go out and talk to a lot of folks about a, a lot of different cybersecurity issues these unique and specialized services represent some of the critical pillars of its survivability solution developed in specific response to the traditional cybersecurity strategies that are failing daily in defending businesses and governments all over the world. Mr. Fatel is invited regularly to, to, to keynote, speak, and, and chair public and private conferences and events. And so this is kind of what, this is a theme that I hear about a lot on social media. People are just, hey, what we're doing today isn't working. It's not working. We've got to do something different. And, you know, and that, I think that's where this organization is coming from in a lot of respects. Um, and that's why I think I find it pretty cool. So one of the things that really called my attention, and here is something really cool. Um, Coletta is, is, is also the creator and producer of the Era of the Unprecedented Investigative Program. It's an investigative program which screens key episodes at university campuses worldwide to create public debates about society's current challenges infused with local citizen journalism to offer hope and solutions moving forward, right? It's, a, it's got a very positive uh, sort of spin to it uh, after, we, you know, we talk about threats. A lot of this stuff can be sort of doom and gloom, and, but I'll get into this a little bit with, with Khaled later in the show, but I really want to talk about sort of the positive um, spin and the takeaways that the, this program uh, sort of instills in people. But his investigative programming, again, is called The Era of the Unprecedented. It's the TheEraOfTheUnprecedented.com. And I've seen the trailer. And, and if, if you're into geopolitical issues and you read a lot about geopolitical stuff and you're, you're interested in understanding how really dangerous the world is today um, and, and actually what role cybersecurity has in your personal security, then at a minimum, you're going to find this project very thought-provoking and you're going to find the conversation with Khaled very, very interesting, I promise you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Khaled Fatel. Khaled, welcome to the show. 
Hello, George, and uh, thank you for having me on. So, Khaled, I, I think this is a very interesting project with, with huge potential, uh, personally. I, you know, the trailers are you know, interesting. It sort of, you know, obviously prompts someone to start thinking about, hey, what, what could be the realm of the possible with this investigative program? But in your own words, what is the era of the unprecedented, and what prompted you to do this? George, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on the show. And um, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to keep, keep this very, very brief because uh, this wasn't just a eureka moment uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, this has been part of the journey that I have been involved in in the global infrastructure of the Internet and, and security itself and, and the resiliency of the network since the mid-90s. Um, um, in the last few years, what we have seen were events that not we, but the, 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 the media relates and labels them as unprecedented. So for example, uh, uh, Donald Trump being elected was unprecedented. Uh, the, um, uh, the hack of the US elections uh, uh, was also unprecedented. The, um, the vote in, uh, in the UK for Brexit was hacked, unprecedented. Um, Cambridge Analytica and the way it manipulated the information um, uh, in, in many countries, not by the way, not only in the, in the West, but it also influenced the outcome for pre two presidential elections in Africa. So most people may not know about that. So um, a lot of events that are actually unprecedented, um, but it's actually, they're, they're really uh, impacting the average citizen who has no clue of what's going on. And the, the media, from left or right, is only interested in the quick and the advertising. And, um, and fundamentally, uh, last point, like I said, I'll keep it brief. We live in a day, in a, in a, in a time where the citizen is so uh, bombarded with information, yet the citizen is so misinformed, also at unprecedented scales. So at the core of that, it really... Uh, put democracy under unprecedented threat. And unless we engage the public in a way that is befitting the 21st century we live in, uh, guess what? Democracy is going to be dead and buried very, very quickly. So no doubt that cybersecurity is one of these unprecedented threats that you speak about. And in, in the program, you know, how does cybersecurity, uh, the cybersecurity domain factor into your program? So, and why is that so unique? You know, that's also an excellent question because most people do not relate as to how this relates to them. Uh, we, we jokingly, in private conversation uh, with colleagues, always talk about how do you stop the average person sitting in a, in a, in a coffee at a Starbucks or something and using the Wi-Fi, the open Wi-Fi, and, 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 and doing their banking. Um, uh, today's, the ills of society are manifesting themselves in cyber attacks. So this is why when we talk about cyber security is no longer the keyword survivability is, we infuse uh, uh, facts that have actually become uh, um, indisputable. Uh, so let me give you some of them. Today we have a new breed of cyber terrorists with the destruction motivation, ISIS and many others. Um, we have also started seeing the, uh, the hacking to change the direction of the political and economic direction of nations, uh, infuse that's geopolitical uh, uh, infusion into the hacking. That's also through cyber. Um, we are also witnessing more than one billion 
internet devices entering the internet every quarter with little attention to security or patching. Um, the sophistication of the cyber criminal, criminal uh, the, the sophistication of the cyber criminals, excuse me, um, is expanding at such a rate, it's, it's virtually impossible for law enforcement to catch up. When you put all of that together, um, it, it really uh, uh, puts society in such a, a, a corner that unless we start doing things a bit differently, um, the bad actors will have the upper hand, will continue to have the, 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 the upper hand. And the only way forward is uh, changes that engage with the general public. And this is why um, I set out to, um, to, uh, to launch the era of the impressive program. So I've, I've heard you say several times that the challenges in cybersecurity directly challenge people's freedoms around the world. So how do you link cybersecurity space to the threat of democracy? Well, uh, uh, George, I'll keep it very, very uh, uh, high level. Look, there are three fundamental pillars of democracy, um, which we today have inherited from the 20th century. But the three pillars of democracy are the citizen is supposed to be informed. As I said earlier on, the citizen has never been so uh, uh, misinformed and manipulated. So that, that pillar is sort of like shot. Um, the, the second pillar is that the citizen goes and votes. Well, if the citizen is voting, but their their voting uh, uh, rationale is being so manipulated by uh, some other interest groups, and we've seen the Cambridge Analytica, and God knows how many hundreds of Cambridge Analyticas are out there still today, um, that also uh, puts to question the nature, nature of the of the vote and the um, and the uh, validity of it. Thirdly, um, when we have elections, we also end up with an outcome. Somebody is elected. Well, if elections are being meddled with at unprecedented scales, and we've already witnessed this is public information, how do we know who's being elected is really duly elected? Now, what this does. I'm not questioning everything. What I'm saying here is we, have, uh, we are applying the model of democracy we inherited from the 20th century, but it no longer fits into the 21st uh, century living we live today. And unless we find ways of bringing democracy further forward, um, we're going to have a serious problem in uh, satisfying the will of the people, or at least being honest and truthful in satisfying the will of the people. So, so let's assume that democracies around the world are actually under an unprecedented threat right now, and a yeah. great deal of which would have to do with cybersecurity threats that we face every day. What, mm -hmm. what do you expect to achieve with this project, and, and what do you expect people to do about it? First, let me, uh, that's also a very good question, but let me just first clarify something. Um, um, sure. I personally do not try to present my own views in what we're doing. What we are trying to do is be the catalyst to create engagement for those who might believe one thing versus others who might believe another and create public in engagement at the, at the um, grassroots level. And doing so in, in, in countries all over the world. Let me also be clear, and this is for your viewers, um, um, we've seen how previous administrations decided uh, to think that we launch war to give people democracy in some other parts of the world. I never believe that actually works. 
What we need to do is help local people advance their own uh, cause of democracy and improve their own local democracies. So there's no, uh, nobody is trying to impose any thoughts on anybody or any new uh, uh, model on anybody. But what it needs to have is the, 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 the stakeholders who are relevant to their community is to see how can we make our democracy more relevant and representative of our people. Look, at the end of the day, the, um, uh, the threats is, is, is really unprecedented. Um, and the public engagement is, is key. And as you already alluded to it earlier on, we chose to go through the university, university circuits around the world as one of the form of distribution. Uh, a few months ago, I was very close to signing a deal with a major network and they uh, decided uh, they wanted to uh, hold uh, significant control on the, uh, on the editorial, not only of the program, but also on, the, um, on the, um, the way the interactions and the engagement with the general public takes place. And I said, I'm sorry, I will not do that because um, I don't want to face a situation where uh, some big uh, advertiser picks up the network and says, uh, this is not conducive to us, and they, they shut us down. Um, and that's also very undemocratic. And we've seen that happen, by the way, to some major networks with major stories right. uh, are more known than, uh, than we are yet, and uh, I'm sure you know about those yourself. Yep. So this is really interesting. I mean, we got to take some time to go to commercial break, but when we get back, I want to talk to you more about the public engagement piece of this because you made a really good point that this this is something that's not supposed to um, spread your views, but it's supposed to garner and engage the public and come up with new and innovative ideas and new solutions. So uh, I want to talk to you a lot about that. I'll have some questions for you, but hey. If you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on LinkedIn by searching at TF7 Radio and on Facebook, Twitter, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, as well as other business communications, please email me directly at george.redis at task47radio.com. That's george.redis at task47, that's with the number 7, radio. Com. I want to remind our audience that we're building the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. I'm really excited about this, folks. Tune in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed and much-awaited-for network. We're going to solve some problems together, folks. I promise you, Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with the chairman of the MLI Group and the producer of the Error of the Unprecedented Investigative Program, Mr. Khaled Fatal. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Improve the efficiency and effectiveness of your security operations with DF Lab Security Orchestration, Automation, and Response Technology. Automate threat containment, orchestrate incident response, and measure operational performance with DF Lab's Inkman SOAR platform. Leverage your current security resources to minimize incident resolution time, maximize analyst efficiency, increase the number of incidents handled, and reduce overall risk. Inkman SOAR acts as a force multiplier, enabling your security team to do more with less. 
Streamline the full incident response lifecycle automation process today. Keep your cyber incidents under control with DF Labs. Visit dflabs.com forward slash TF7 to request a look at Inkman Soar live in action. Account takeover is the fastest growing form of cyber attack. Criminals exploit compromised accounts for financial gain, often causing irreparable and long-term damage to finances and reputation. Many companies think they're protected. They believe using a password manager, multi-factor authentication, behavior-based technology, password rotations, or solutions that scan the deep and dark web is enough. Yet the account takeover problem only continues to get worse. SpyCloud combines human intelligence and automated technology to prevent account takeover for your customers and employees. We recover stolen credentials early in the account takeover lifecycle before the credentials are sold on dark forums. Check your exposure for free at spycloud.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm here with our special guest, the chairman of the MLI Group, and the producer of the Error of the Unprecedented Investigative Program, Mr. Khaled Fatal. So, Khaled, we were talking about the in the first segment of the show that we wanted to get into a little bit about the engagement, about the engagement of the folks that listen uh, to your program and how that works. So, for the folks listening to you right now on this show, the folks that are interested in cybersecurity, how would you like them to get engaged with your program? How does that work? Well, that's a very good question again, uh, George. When you think about it, if uh, those who think about cybersecurity purely from uh, the technical or what I jokingly say, the wiring point of view, uh, lose the big picture. It's what is being leveraged through cyber and cybersecurity and the threat landscape. That's uh, 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 the um, uh, cyber and the non-cyber as well. So when you put it all in, in perspective, those who really care about the space, uh, whether it's the theme of uh, democracy being under unprecedented threats or the other theme that we have, which has nothing to do with the threats, it's really about uh, positive stories uh, to inspire the, uh, the, the, the public, especially the youth, uh, to, uh, to engage and look for other ways and improve uh, their way of life. Um, and plus, we have the, the, the geopoly cyber, what we label geopoly cyber warfare. It's happening today. It's happening everywhere. Virtually all governments are at it, either defensively or offensively. And it does pertain to high as a security executive or a CEO or a chairman. How do you mitigate the new threat landscape to make sure that your organization does survive? That's one. And secondly, 
what's your ethos on uh, your corporate social responsibility? How much do you want the public to be uh, properly informed, responsibly informed, so they can also be part of this positive change that is necessary? So if, there, if anybody who's interested, just uh, go to the website, uh, reach out to us, and uh, show us how you want to be involved. Uh, look, you, you want to discuss uh, the, uh, the uh, university track. Uh, you mentioned earlier on why we chose university. Let me, let me spare you that question. I'll tell you that now. Um, universities are where students go to learn, to learn how to think, to learn how to think critically. So we chose universities as a primary uh, sort of like circuit. But um, we're not limited to only universities. We, we, do the, uh, we, do, we, we show these, uh, these episodes of these trailers in uh, private briefings to boards and C-suites, to, to government officials. <clears throat> and if somebody contacts me tomorrow and said, look, we want to do a, um, um, uh, uh, a town hall meeting and, in, and invite the guests, uh, no, the citizens, to come in and have a conversation, would you be interested? I'd say, yeah, let's talk about logistics. So it is about a global engagement. This is not a commercial endeavor, George. This is my philanthropic uh, role. When I was pushing on making the global internet a multilingual back in the uh, mid-90s onwards and in the early 2000s, there was no, no money in it. We worked with communities all over the world. It was purely philanthropic. It was something I believed in, and this is no different. Um, that's if that also answers your question. I hope I did uh, without going too, yeah, <laughs> too well, long. Universities make a lot of sense, right? I mean, obviously they're they're big think tanks, um, and they're they're talking about a lot of these issues in the universities, and uh, and you know using them as the the mode of public awareness for this investigative program is 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 very commonsensical to me. But let's get let's let's you know get a little bit more deep dive into what you're doing here. What is unique okay. about your approach to citizen journalism, right? Because we talked about that a little bit, especially specifically as it relates to cybersecurity. Security, you know, like what, what, what are you doing there that's so, uh, I guess, special and unique for our audience? Do you know, it's um, uh, when you think about the threats to society today, um, there's no way we could mitigate these threats without the, the public being better engaged and better informed. And I've seen uh, uh, governments try, uh, U.S., European and others, and to be honest with you, nobody's listening. Um, so the reason why we chose the university circuit and we chose to go and create uh, events as well to do this is because no change and no solution to fixing democracy can take place without the public being able to participate in this. And it cannot be a top-down, it cannot be a mandated one. Uh, it needs to allow them to speak freely and, and voice their opinion. And let me, I'm going to share something else with you, and I don't know if this is something that you could relate to in the U.S., but something that just recently got published in the, in the U.K. In the U.K., <clears throat> um, uh, there has been a serious problem with the youth over-drinking. You may ask yourself, well, how does that relate to cybersecurity? You'll see where I'm going with this. Drinking was a major problem with, with the youth for the last couple of decades. A recent study has shown that 25-year-olds and under are drinking a lot less than their parents, are eating a lot healthier than their parents, are actually exercising more than their parents. And guess what? They did that not because of any government program to educate them and inform them. Today, the youth are far more engaged and far more aware, and they can smell BS when, they, when it's been thrown at them. So my bet here is if we can get them to be more involved and more informed and relate to how 
the, the leverage of cyber uh, is actually impacting their lives, their livelihoods, um, they will be more engaged and they would want to, more, to demand more, uh, be- better from their uh, 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 officials who are representing them. So how does the program actually work? Do you like produce a show and then people like talk about what, what was covered in the show? Or are you planning on having cybersecurity professionals engaged in these discussions? Uh, from a cybersecurity perspective, how does it go down? Excellent point. Um, in fact, uh, the model we have here is the, the episodes or the trailers uh, are being utilized as I'm speaking to you, uh, to you now in, um, in the university circuits where, where universities request uh, uh, the, uh, uh, to, to screen an event. Um, it's sort of like it starts with a, a high-level uh, uh, presentation. Uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, it get, then we do the screening. And then uh, in some instances, we, can, we plan on having um, a, a panel of experts and celebrities be available uh, in a location where they can take questions from the public, but also we plan on live streaming this. This is really the model. And, um, you know, when the right time comes, if we get the right network who wants to work with us on this, the, the engagement could become on a national level because then we're hitting the airways as well with this. So in, in actual fact, the, the screening is meant to be uh, in, in preparation before the debates and the discussions do take place. Uh, with the with the celebrities and the uh, and the experts. So when you when you look for the audience at the universities, are you specifically targeting computer science and information security students to get their thoughts on these cybersecurity issues, or is it really just open to everyone? Very good question. In fact, we not only open it to everyone because we are trying to. It's a thought leadership exercise. Uh, it's all students from whatever because we get a lot of uh, students who get interested because. They're either studying international relations or uh, international politics. Uh, the, 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 those who are studying um, uh, technology-based uh, uh, subjects are only also keen. And uh, you'd be amazed how, uh, how many academics, uh, professors, are saying, this is really interesting. Can, we do, uh, can I invite you to come and speak to my students uh, separately on a specific topic? Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to actually advance the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the awareness level. Um, it, with some universities, we're also saying if you want to bring in the, the, uh, the business community to come in and be involved and become aware, we welcome that because the grander uh, and the more open the conversation and debates, uh, this becomes more relevant. And there's an angle to this. I, I truly believe that the right business organizations who sees the relevance of being a, a force for good, uh, a force for the global public good, um, in this, this would also showcase their uh, commitment to doing something for society rather than just uh, quarterly earnings, uh, which they're all accused of only focusing on that. And, <laughs> the, rest, and the rest is lip service, as you both, we both know. So it's not about the bottom line. It's about coming up with solutions. I get it. So who, who's recording and noting what the feedback and discussions entails during these, these programs? I mean, what is done with that information? In other words, like, how, how do you transcribe these discussions around cybersecurity issues into something that's really tangible that people can walk away with and act upon? George, this is also an, an excellent question. I have no illusions. I have no illusions that from my side, we can do this alone. This is meant to be a collaborative effort with organizations all over the world who can come in and add value in the areas where they uh, 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 specialized expertise 
but at the same time, they have to be on the same wavelength in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, with that in mind, uh, those who have expertise in uh, advancing some of the features that we'll be doing, please get in touch. Let's see what, how we can do this. There's no way um, uh, we can, if you were to ask me today, um, what if we were doing this in, in, in 20 countries at the same time in the next three months? Uh, logistically, that would be impossible for us. But with the right, uh, with the right partners and, uh, and supporters who believe in the same thing, a lot of this is possible. Let me just caveat this with, a, with this note, uh, George. Um, I was having, I won't name who the, the, the minister is, but I was having a, a, minute, a chat with a minister here in the UK last week um, who mentioned uh, in a conversation that, um, and the words that that minister used was, uh, best practices are a good way forward. So in a private chat, uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned to this uh, minister, I said, unfortunately, best practices are for those who have time. The threat is imminent, it's a danger on society, and we have to come up with things that are far more effective than just best practices. So I'll just leave it with that for, the, for your uh, listeners to actually ponder on. So what type of cybersecurity issues do you plan on investigating with the show? I mean, what kind of topics are you going to be talking about with folks? You know, that's a, also, uh, I, I'm going to stop telling you that's a very good question. Um, we have... Uh, we have already more than three dozen topics pertaining specifically to cybersecurity, which relate to democracy being under unprecedented threat and the geopoly cyber warfare that the world has just already entered in. Um, those are existing events that have happened, and uh, in most cases, they have not been looked at in any depth in a way that the general, general public can learn from them and recognize the nature of their threat, aside from just somebody hacked. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, when, um, when the Equifax breach took place, which I'm, I'm, I'm aware, you're very aware of that, um, with this being 143 million records of citizens, this is not just consumer data, these are citizens, um, when, you, when you see a, uh, an event like this and then uh, the government, let's say, slaps them with a penalty, what happens to the citizen? Who's looking after the citizen? If somebody's data has already been compromised and let's say somebody goes and impersonates them and uh, uh, spoofs their identity and now they're taking credit, who's helping them? No one. And guess what? This is why citizens need to become more aware that these major events that are happening Marriott, you mentioned earlier on at the beginning of the, sh of, of the show, um, do have a direct impact on their lives and on their daily lives. Let me just also, uh, you know, and I don't want to sound alarmist. You recall in 2016 when we had the, uh, the dine attack, where most people would re recall as a result, hundreds of websites were down, PayPal, uh, uh, New York Times, uh, uh, Spotify, etc., etc. Uh, the, 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 the attack on a DNS provider, imagine multiple DNS providers being hit at the same time. What would happen to people's ability to go and draw cash from their ATM machine or be able to buy food or, or, or water for their people? We've already seen it in, uh, after uh, 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 human, what's it called, uh, uh, disasters and, uh, uh, and hurricanes and storms where uh, people start shooting at each other. People's are nine, people are nine miles away from anarchy if we allow this to happen. And this is not 
uh, fake news or scaremongering. This is a real and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a threat that, that, has, that is not uh, fiction. And I think we need to pay attention to this because people's lives are at stake. So, you know, what kind of organizations are you looking to partner with? You mentioned that before and, and you're looking, I mean, are you, do, do you have any partners now and, or who are you targeting in the future? We have, we have partners. We're getting a, a lot of interest from so many different uh, uh, parts of the world, believe it or not. And that's really, really very encouraging uh, to make me feel that we're on the right path. But let me just, let me just say this with you, to you. I'll tell you who we're not interested with. How does that sound? Does that sound interesting enough? <laughs> Controversial. Yeah, we, can, we, we, we can rule out some people. Exactly. <laughs> you want to do? Um, there are, as you and I both know, there are so many think tanks and foundations whose title um, has the word democracy. But we both know they are the front uh, and they are backed by money to, ad- to, ad- to advocate a particular political special interest. If if you are one of those and you're listening and you want to be involved, don't bother contacting us because we want to be as true as we can to the serving not only the public interest but the global public interest. Anybody else who believes what we're doing is something that is ringing the right bell in their, in their ear, guess what? Get in touch and we'll find a way of how we can work together. Um, like I said before, uh, we have no illusion. This is not something we can, we can, we cannot save democracy on our own. We as a society have to save democracy uh, uh, together. And each, each people in each country, they are responsible for saving their own democracy. So we're not going to go and impose our version or our vision of what a democracy is on somebody else. We give them the tools and the opportunity in a very transparent manner and let them deal with it themselves. Okay, Clyde, we've got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from the chairman of the MLI Group and the producer of the Error of the Unprecedented Investigative Program, Mr. Khaled Fatal. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Improve the efficiency and effectiveness of your security operations with DF Lab Security Orchestration, Automation, and Response Technology. Automate threat containment, orchestrate incident response, and measure operational performance with DF Lab's Inkman SOAR platform. Leverage your current security resources to minimize incident resolution time, maximize analyst efficiency, increase the number of incidents handled, and reduce overall risk. Inkman SOAR acts as a force multiplier, enabling your security team to do more with less. Streamline the full incident response lifecycle automation process today. Keep your cyber incidents under control with DF Labs. Visit dflabs.com forward slash TF7 to request a look at Inkman's SOAR live in action. Account takeover is the fastest growing form of cyber attack. Criminals exploit compromised accounts for financial gain, often causing irreparable and long-term damage to finances and reputation. Many companies think they're protected. They believe using a password manager, multi-factor authentication, behavior-based technology, password rotations, or solutions that scan the deep and dark web is enough. 
Yet the account takeover problem only continues to get worse. SpyCloud combines human intelligence and automated technology to prevent account takeover for your customers and employees. We recover stolen credentials early in the account takeover life cycle before the credentials are sold on dark forums. Check your exposure for free at spycloud.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm here with our special guest, the chairman of the MLI group and the producer of the Error of the Unprecedented Investigative Program, Mr. Khaled Fatal. So, uh, we were talking about before the, the themes of, of your investigative programs, and I think you have three different themes that we spoke about. And one is the democracy that's under unprecedented threat. And then the other one is, of course, the geopoly cyber warfare, which is the link to this show and some of the things that you're doing. But I also mentioned the positive stories meant to inspire people, especially the younger folks in the universities and around the world, uh, to actually do something with what they, what they take away from the program. So can you just talk a little bit about each one of these themes and, and how it works and how they're interrelated to each other? Sure, sure, happy to. Uh, first of all, the message of the, of the program, of the show, in all these themes is to offer hope. So as much as at times some of the topics are very gloomy and very, uh, it, it seems like uh, uh, amazing odds uh, stacked against society, um, we are here to try and offer hope. And as I mentioned, alluded earlier on in the earlier segment about uh, why my bet is on the youth not only in the UK, but all over, they're, they're engaged, they're aware. Um, so one of the themes, as we, we've already discussed, uh, democracy being under unprecedented threat and why this needs to be addressed because it's our lives and livelihoods. Um, the geopoly cyber warfare as, a second, as another theme, which will have uh, different uh, episodes and topics being addressed, um, this may sound strange to a lot of people, but one of the things that we discovered back in 2012 when we were doing a, a major internet usability study in the Arabic script communities, um, we discovered, I won't go into details about this, the, 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 the study, but uh, it, in, it included uh, online surveys, uh, seminars that uh, we conducted, I actually conducted them myself in, uh, in, in Beirut, in capitals around the, uh, the Middle East as well. Um, we had the engaged very, very highly engaged people who were involved in the Arab Spring. Um, it's at that, during that uh, study, we discovered the early days of the destruction motivation through cyber by ISIS. Um, that shocked me, I have to tell you, and I saw the, 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 the threat coming. 
So in 2013, we created the term polycyber and geopolycyber because they, they are to identify the non-financially motivated cyber attacks that the world has all been seen, utilized for the last 20 plus years coming through. They weren't used to politically motivated uh, or uh, ideological motivation or even so-called religious motivation. They're just used to financial. So most of the models around the world today to defend against cybersecurity attacks are designed around the financial breach. And in this day and age, that is no longer, uh, that's, that angle or that, that strategy is no longer plausible for different reasons we can get into. But, you know, this is interesting and very relative, especially to current events with the Marriott sure. breach. And I was just talking about it, you know, on, uh, on the special episode, the TF7 sure. Extra episode, that there really is no uh, financial damage or actually the sharing or selling or exchange of the information that was stolen from the 500 million people that were affected by the Marriott breach yet, according to uh, intelligence professionals uh, around the world. They don't really see it being exchanged in the underground. And that's one of the things that would indicate that maybe there was no financial motive behind that attack, especially, George, you know, George, the hospitality industry and you, you, go ahead. Yeah, but this is, this is critical for your listeners to come to terms with because they're the, they're the leaders in the cybersecurity space. What we are doing is not challenging what they're doing. On the contrary, when we talk about survivability, or cyber survivability, we are not throwing the baby with the water. We're not saying you don't need to do the cybersecurity or all of the cybersecurity that's failing, blah, 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 blah. On the contrary, you still have to do the cybersecurity stuff very well. But alone, you still are going to be breached, especially if you're targeted by somebody who has political, ideological, uh, or religious, uh, so-called religious motivation. And the model, and the reason for that here, without going into too much uh, uh, detail, we can do that on another, another uh, episode. The reason for that here is the, 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 the model behind cybersecurity defenses and solutions that are being sold on the market today are all based on the opportunity, making the opportunity cost of the hacker too high, they will go somewhere else. When you're, the problem here is when your hacker has no opportunity cost, has no economic value to their time. They're motivated by something else. Guess what? If they target you, sooner or later, they're going to breach you. And the, 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 the Marriott uh, example is, is, is actually making people, the, the experts think, well, hang on a second. They didn't sell this data out there. So what are they planning on doing with it? If this is no different than, uh, probably a bit different, but no different to challenge conventional thinking than the Dyn attack which had no ransomware and no financial uh, 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 motivation. It just showed what is possible. And, 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 no, and you're, you know, look, if, if it's yeah. motivations, and we always try to understand it, and everything we talk about on the, the models today is always intelligence-led, and we try to understand what the motivations and capabilities of our adversaries are, because I think, you know, the, like you said, the motivations change their TTPs and how they, how they approach these attacks, and then, that's going to also change how you defend against these attacks, you know, to your Absolutely. point. So Absolutely. It's, it's, it's definitely all relative, and I think it's a, it's a really good takeaway. Um, but I sort of led us away from the three themes. We got really into the geopolitics. And so did I, by the way. I, so I apologize for that. But in the theme of the geopolitical warfare, which is really critical to not only uh, corporate survivability, but human survivability, there are so much that we need to dig into that and, and, and share 
responsible information with the public so they become engaged and expect more to be done. Then the third theme, which is the positive stories. This one is really, really exciting to me because um, uh, I won't bore you with too much of the detail, but one of the stories we're doing is about uh, the uh, one-way mission to colonize Mars. And um, this, we're already featuring a, um, uh, one of the 100 candidate astronauts who have already been identified and selected uh, for the mission in the, uh, of the uh, uh, Mars One mission. Um, and she happened to be uh, female and she happens to be African. So in fact, that episode, we're planning on screening it, not only at university campuses only, but also at high schools. And I tested this on my daughter, and I was telling my daughter, who's 15, going to be 16 very, uh, very shortly, and I was saying to her, well, guess what? She's not doing that. She's choosing to go on a one-way ticket to colonize Mars, saying goodbye to her parents, because she wants to inspire the kids and people about how to make uh, uh, um, our world better. Um, and that, to me, is inspirational. So you put that in front of 15, 16, 17-year-olds, uh, some of them may choose to want to do something a bit more uh, positive to society instead of thinking they can become a quick celebrity uh, because of uh, whatever. So that's really part of why we're doing this. This, this is purely uh, uh, positive stories to, to inspire people to do something positive. So when you think about the, the threats to democracy around the world that you talk about, I mean, what's, your, what's your opinion about some of the democratic political structures around the world and what they're doing to preserve democracy? George, I, I'm not throwing eggs or tomatoes on anybody. Let me just be very, very clear. The problem we face in society is that we have institutions that have been doing things for generations, for decades, for centuries. So the challenge that we've seen is, and this is very philosophical, and, you know, for some people, this, they may relate to this, or for some people, they might say to me, you know, you know what are you drinking? Uh, but the institutions of democracies that we have in the West that are, let's say, in the UK, in the US, um, as I said at the beginning of the, of the program, are institutions and models that we inherited from the 20th century. The problem today is 21st century living in the way we wake up, we look at our phones, we look at our messages, we're discovering how big uh, technology companies are amassing data about us. They know more about our habits than uh, we know about ourselves or our children or our partners know about us. Uh, um, and then we also are, society is being manipulated. So when you look at the, the models that we have, whether it's political, whether it's organizational, whether it's corporate, um, they are, I think, stuck still in the 20th century and we need to bring them up uh, um, so that they can at least catch up with the speed at which these challenged society. You remember at the beginning of the program, I talked about, you know, a billion devices are entering the internet every, every quarter with little attention to patching or, or security. Uh, uh, plus, the advancement in technology is uh, lightning speed. Um, that's challenging the way you can regulate. So unless you get the engagement from the general public of how we need to do things better and differently uh, and maybe improve on our models, um, I, uh, let me put it this way, I don't, want to believe, I don't want to consider the alternative. I think we need to do this, and uh, without it, uh, society is really at a very, very... Uh, uh, a turning point. 
So, Claire, thanks for coming on the show. The program looks really interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tune in uh, to see what happens uh, with this show because I think it, it's great that it, you know, it's, it's spurring some innovative thoughts, some diversity of thought. And, uh, you know, the takeaway piece of this, that something actually tangible comes away from it and people can actually do something with it is really, really cool. So, look, I hope to have you back on again to, to, to let us know how the show's going. And uh, hopefully that'll be soon. I look forward to it, and thanks for having me, George, and uh, good luck with your program. By the way, I listen to, uh, uh, I've listened to many of your episodes, and I think some of your guests are absolutely outstanding. So, well thanks. done. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the support. So, okay, folks, uh, we got to run, but before we go, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at CSHub.com. H-U-B.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.